NBA fans. We are 20 days away from the start of the NBA season, and I can't lie, I'm starting to get really, really excited about this. Um, once I feel like once we cross the 20 day mark, that's when I really start counting down the days to the start. Is we usually have media day, which media day we just had it yesterday. We're recording this on Wednesday, September 29th, um, and then a week from now we have uh, training camp starting, and then also preseason games. And then from there, things start moving really fast. So we're continuing our countdown and our preview uh, for the next NBA year. This this podcast, we're, re- we're previewing the Atlantic division that has the 76ers, the Nets, the Raptors, the Celtics, and the Knicks. And this is a very competitive division, uh, probably the most competitive in the Eastern Conference. So we actually don't have any teams to really just kind of um, go quickly on we there's a lot of nuance and depth into each one of these teams so we'll break them all down for you as well as some of the media day highlights here but sean did you check out any of the media day uh interviews or anything i gotta say from my perspective a little bias here i spent the most time looking at listening to all the laker interviews and that got me pretty excited to see all these players who at one point were <laughs> photoshopped into laker jerseys and are now <laughs> truly in one yeah, honestly, I don't really pay a ton of attention to Media Day, and, and we're going to talk about this. I know a lot of the stuff is centered around vaccinations and all that jazz, and, you know, I don't know. It, they, they get media attention all the time, so it's just like the media just asking them questions like they normally do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't really pay much attention to it. I, I saw some random blurbs here and there, but honestly, like, I, it's, it doesn't really mean much to me. Yeah, <laughs> It's just business as usual. Yeah, there's a lot of hype as, as well on Media Day. Every team feels like they got a big season on, on, on their way. Every team feels like they're being underrated, underappreciated, and they can and they have critics to disprove. And you know, it's just the 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 magic of of a day of day of a day zero right before the season. Every, everything feels possible. Um, but there were mm-hmm. some controversy, some things happening revolving mainly around the vaccination. Um, and whether or not some players are going to be there on the first day of the NBA season or whether or not they'll play some of these home games. But before jumping into all that, we got to go to the Timberwolves here first. Their basketball operations lead, Gerson Rosses, 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 Rosses parts ways um, (laughs) for creating a toxic culture and also having an quote unquote inappropriate relationship with a fellow staff member. Uh, this th- he was a big time hire when he was brought in. There was a lot of optimism that he would come in and make some good moves and put the Timberwolves on a good path. And it's interesting here, like the first thing related to media day on this is it didn't go unnoticed by Carl Anthony Towns, who was pretty candid on media day with how frustrated he is that it seems like something is always going down for the Timberwolves. <laughs> and his quote was, and I'm paraphrasing here, his quote was that, he was even joking around uh, apparently a, a couple of days before this firing came down um, that it was a quiet offseason for the Timberwolves. And then, of course, this this happened. So he was pretty candid about mm-hmm. the frustrations he feels with the franchise uh, in general, just over the just how they keep continue flipping through players, flipping through front office, flipping through coaches. And I'm sure like at, at this point, Carl Anthony Towns is now approaching 25 years old. I, I'm sure he's craving some sort of some form of consistency around him. Right. Yeah. It's like, you finally feel like you have a good roster put together. 
you might be able to get Ben Simmons. Things are looking up for you guys. You have Anthony Edwards, one of the most promising young players in the league. And your front office has to, you know, kind of pull the rug from underneath you and just create all this controversy. And and obviously this shouldn't affect the on-the-court play mm-hmm. for this team, right? I mean, just because he's the basketball operations lead, it's like he's already put the team together. So at this point, hopefully the guy that replaces him is gonna, this guy named Sachin Gupta. Um, he's going to be the new back basketball operations lead, at least in the interim. Apparently he is very adamant on getting Ben Simmons. Um, how adamant we'll have to see. Um, we're, we're definitely going to talk about that a little bit later, but I don't think this is going to end up affecting them too much. Obviously that's all the media is going to ask them about. Um, so as long as they can just keep a cool head about it, the players that is, and you know, just kind of brush it under under the rug for them it doesn't shouldn't affect them at all Mm -hmm. you know this has nothing to do with them like don't let it affect your game don't let the media get to you in that way you just got to go out and play the game you guys are still in a promising you know growth potential type of season right now so don't let this ruin that yeah and we broke them down a couple podcasts ago uh, and that was sort of the takeaway there that they they had a core piece of good talented players and everything else seemed like very movable pieces so if they wanted to make a move yeah. for Ben Simmons I think they could if they wanted to stay put they're still they're still on the on the right side of the curve where there's there's still a lot of growth potential within their roster and the exact quote is here it's it's man it's been a real quiet offseason in Minnesota it's very <laughs> different than boom they made sure they had one left in the hat <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, if I'm Cat, I'm sick of it, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy, he's he's been a great player for them for many years now. Really durable player up until last year, too. And if, if I'm him, I mean, it's like Devin Booker's frustrations with Phoenix, right? It's right. like you have just had the abil- th- these abilities for so long. I mean, granted, I guess Cat did have his time in the playoffs with Jimmy Butler and Andrew Wiggins when, when they were there. But it was pretty short-lived, and it wasn't exactly all the rainbows and butterflies like it is with Chris Paul and Phoenix now. So he wants some sustained success. I mean, he's a great player, and he definitely has the ability to be a number one on a contending team. So, I mean, hopefully his time's coming soon. But, yeah, I'm sure his frustration's at an all-time high. Yeah, I hope for a strong year for Carl Anthony Towns. Um Moving from there, though, we got the vaccine controversy around media day. 10% of the players still remain unvaccinated. Around 10% of the players remain unvaccinated. And, you know, it's hard to really fully confirm that percentage. But um, I was wondering who those players were that were unvaccinated. Then I realized that there was a tweet from Ted Cruz praising these players. So it's pretty funny oh, no. to see all these NBA players oh, also no. be praised by Ted Cruz. Center of Texas, controversial man. But you got Bradley Beal, Jonathan Isaac, Andrew Wiggins, Kyrie Irving, and Michael Porter Jr. Just a few who are who were who have been vocal about uh, why they don't want to get the vaccination. More so, uh, Bradley Beal and Jonathan Isaac um, really almost getting defensive about it, and Andrew Wiggins a bit uncomfortable. Kyrie Irving straight up just not talking about it. <laughs> Porter Jr. slightly defensive, but. I'm not sure if you saw the Bradley Beal video, but he was truly on the defensive end, and it really uh, felt like a well, second of Fox News or something. Oh, well, it's just, I mean, 
he's defensive because he doesn't have a good excuse. Right. No one, none of them have a good excuse. And that's why they get so defensive about it because they're just scared of getting the shot because they bought into all the social media lies that they see all over Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, whatever. I mean, yeah, I saw, I didn't see the video, but I heard Bradley Beal basically said, is the vaccine works? Why are you guys still getting COVID? <laughs> yeah. And, which is like, ugh. yeah, it just shows how little research it does. And it, it shows me like, man, these guys are so human. Yeah. Like they're, they're not role models at all. They play very good basketball. Jen, just because they play very good basketball doesn't mean all of them are role models. LeBron could be a role model. Sure. I mean that he does a lot more outside of basketball, but some of these guys, they just play basketball and they don't, they don't know anything more than we do. They don't do any more research than we do. Apparently they do a lot less research <laughs> than we do on this stuff. And it's, it's just, it's really sad. You know, it's like people look up to you, Bradley Beal, because you're such a good basketball player, but apparently you're lacking in a lot of different avenues here. So it's, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be very candid about it too. He's, he's just really dumb right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like it, it's, it's just a, an unfounded fear um and it's not entirely his fault uh, there's a lot of people just spitting lies out there because that's they they love chaos you know and they they love just spitting their spitting their lies out right and bradley beal infamously did not did not provide the greatest counter argument i mean this is just the point that it got to where he was providing his own counter questions to, to reporters no no covid experts or, or medical professionals uh that were in the audience at that point but uh, that aside, I think the elephant in the room, though, is because they're not vaccinated, that really has huge implications for some of these guys, namely players based in California and New York, cities like San Francisco uh, and L.A. who have in, who have really strict COVID vaccination uh, laws and rules in place right now, especially for basketball players who are playing in arenas. Arenas like players have to be vaccinated in order to play. So. A guy like Kyrie Irving and Andrew Wiggins, they're set to already miss 41 games off the bat, assuming these rules stay in place for the whole NBA season. And I think it's very likely that they do. And that's also not not counting, um, you know, potential other cities that might enact similar rules at some point throughout the year. Obviously, like New York and some of the California cities tend to have tended to be a little quicker on the forefront in terms of rules. So if considering where the the pandemic may go if there's other cities that then maybe some of the cities in texas probably not but any the point being if there are other cities that follow suit you could be looking at more games potentially being missed by some of these guys which may or may not provide be a problem for some of these franchises i mean i'd see like it is a probably pretty unhappy if i was a teammate if i was steph curry you're right on the cusp oh yeah as a team i was already with clay thompson out and you're going to lose your starting mm-hmm. small forward or the Nets, you're going to lose your starting point guard. Pretty rough. Yeah, and it, it just begs the question, are these guys just going to try to – are is someone going to try to trade for these guys, mm-hmm. you know, before the season starts? Because if you're the Nets, like, are you okay with Kyrie Irving missing every home game and then missing half the games in the playoffs too? Right. You know, like, this doesn't just extend for the regular season. This is – this is a city mandate. It has nothing to do with the NBA. The NBA's hands are tied on this. Mm-hmm. That's just how it has to be. And so 
I just he, the value just completely diminishes. I don't even know if some. I, I guess it makes sense for a team to want to trade for him if they don't have those same vaccine mandates for public indoor events. But then it's still. I mean, it's Kyrie Irving at the end of the day. I mean, it, he's so unpredictable. Wiggins is not worth his contract. <laughs> so good luck trading these guys. But man, I yeah, I'm really pissed if I'm Steph because for Wiggins to miss like maybe. Not even only 41 games, but, you know, you got your couple games in New York, too. Right. Over half the season, just based off where we're at right now, I don't know what's going to change. I mean, maybe they'll be feel pressured to get the vaccine, which I, I hate to use that terminology, but that's how it seems like it's going to be. Um, man, it's <laughs> just with Andrew Wiggins especially, like, this man literally tried to get religious exemption from getting the vaccine and got denied. Like, how pathetic is that? Like, does he try to fake being a certain religion just to not get the vaccine? Like, how pathetic is that, man? Like, that's just embarrassing. Yeah. The other thing about Wiggins that I just realized, too, and I was going to make this point, but I kind of forgot about it, is 41 games for Wiggins for the home Warrior games. But the Warriors Mm -hmm. play in L.A. twice against the Lakers, and then twice against the Clippers. So that's four games. Well, LA have the same? LA has the same City uh, mandates. mandates as San Francisco? Is, okay. Yep. And then... Yeah. So that's our that's four and games. Too. And then the two New York mm-hmm. games. Um, so we're looking at 47 games. 47. Right now, mm-hmm. so far, <laughs> that, he, that he's going to miss. <laughs> right. It's it's like it's like he's <laughs> in the same boat as Clay Thompson. Well, basically, is only playing half a season. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm Steph. I'm just oh man. I'm just gonna have to roll with Jordan Poole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, oh man, these rookies are gonna have to step up big time. Yep, bring on the young core. Uh, but pivoting away from that, on the same note though, Michael Porter Jr. not getting vaccinated, but what he is getting is a big bag. He <laughs> signs that five year max contract, potentially worth up to two hundred and seven million dollars. Sean, you made an emphatic point on Michael Porter Jr. on whether or not he would get the money. After that Aaron oh, Gordon man. deal, but he's doing, he got it. And the Nuggets are showing yeah. us that they are willing to go deep into the tax that they have to, to keep the mm-hmm. core. I was shocked when this happened because yeah, like we talked about, what was that last week or two weeks ago? You're right. Two when weeks they ago. signed Aaron, Yeah. Two weeks ago, Aaron Gordon got four years, 92. You already have Murray and Jokic on max deals. And it made me wonder, cause I'm like, Denver isn't the big market team. Are they willing to go into this massive luxury tax like the Lakers are, like the Nets are, to do this? And apparently they are. Apparently this, they're like, okay, this is the best chance we have at winning a, a championship is to keep this guy, and we're willing to pay up for it. And I, I was stunned to see this, especially because it's a max deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking like Steph Curry type of money here where this guy could be making upwards of $40 million a year on average if if he fulfills all of the qualifications for the contract. And to get all of the money, honestly, it's going to be pretty hard for him to get that full amount because he's going to have to make an all-NBA team, which, you know, it could happen. He'll, he'll have to make some pretty drastic improvements. But, man, the fact that he's going to be making at least $30 million a year at the lowest, man, that's, that's big time for this guy who's mm-hmm. he's really only shown for one year. He's had one good year, and he only played like maybe a quarter of the year in his rookie year, and then he played a good amount last year. But that that's a big investment for a guy that really hasn't shown 
yet that he can be that second option while Jamal Murray continues to sit out. Oh, man, that is... This is questionable. It's very questionable because I mean, Denver's always been the team that they've they've prided themselves on having massive depth, right? Um, but and they've drafted really well, obviously, right? I mean, Jokic was a draft pick, Murray was a draft pick, Michael Porter was a draft pick. Then they just feel like they're not going to get a big free agent, and so they have to keep the guys that they have. And I, I mean, that's the reality of a small market team. Mm-hmm. But oh man, that's a lot of money to give to those three guys who I just they don't stack up as far as a big three goes. If you're, I mean, if you're comparing this to Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Giannis, Kevin Durant, Harden, and Irving, Westbrook, AD, and LeBron, those are the other three teams that have three max players on their roster. Then the Nuggets are now the fourth. That is just not as impressive. I'm yeah. sorry. It's just not the same level. Right. I think it's just the absence of choice. Like, this is the guy you got to go with because, I mean, if you don't go with, with I bet there there would have been somebody out there who would have given Porter Jr. this money or would have given him a go at it. I, I guess so. That's max yeah. money for him. Is is That's a, man, it's, I think it's a gamble. <laughs> yeah. And this is also to say that, I mean, this is all, I think, gearing up for next year and the year after that. And even potentially in that third year, maybe one of these guys gets traded once the the Nuggets real. I mean, probably Aaron Gordon would be the more tradable contract once the Nuggets yeah. realize this this core isn't isn't the one we want to go with, and we're not going to pick pay deep into the repeater tax just to keep this core mm-hmm. going. So there is potentially a I guess an exit door for the Nuggets, but for, at least for the short term, they're they're going to pay that luxury tax and they're gonna they're gonna keep this core going. Yeah, I mean, it's always going to be a good team. They're definitely going to lose out on depth in a couple of years because they're just not going to be able to afford mm-hmm. anyone except for, you know, your veteran minimum type of guys or maybe some mid-level exceptions. But it's going to be a good core. And, you know, if Michael Porter Jr. can stay healthy, he could become that third star for them. But, you know, we, we even saw in the playoffs last year, his back still does give him issues here and there. So that's just going to have to be something to monitor um, and hopefully, hopefully he doesn't. Obviously, I want to see this guy be a big name in the league. Um, but man, yeah, Denver's fully in on him. Yeah. So I think Michael Porter Jr. is now the third best, highest paid player in the out of that 2018 draft class. That was Luca, DeAndre Aiden, mm-hmm. Marvin Bagley, Jaron Jackson Jr., yeah. Trey Young. You know, so much for a guy who got chosen at number 14 and. You know, could have arguably been a top five pick that year. Um, oh, had yeah. a lot of question I mean, a lot marks. Of people, I mean, in high school, like, based on the rankings, he would have gone number one. Yep. So, yeah, just because of the injury issues, he dropped all the way to the end of the lottery. But the talent's always been there. Actually, I take that back. He's not only – he's not the third. He's actually the second because DeAndre Aiden hasn't gotten his extension yet. I assumed well, he already Luca, – Luca and Trey – Right. Oh right, then you got Luca and Trey. Oh yeah, yeah. you're right. So third, mm-hmm. third. Yep, still keep yeah. that. Uh, wait, no, Shea Gilgis. Oh Shea, Shea's yeah. 2018. Oh, you're right, yeah. number 11. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that wasn't as impressive of a stat as I thought it was going hey, to be. Fourth is <laughs> hey, fourth. Out of, I mean, he was 14th, and he, he's the fourth one. That's pretty dang good. Right. So yeah, not too bad. Jerome Robinson. I don't even mm-hmm. know if he's still in the league. Oh, don't remind me. (laughs) 
Oh, we picked him one pick ahead of Michael Porter. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Anyways, so much pain. We got a couple here. Maybe we go through these quickly. Big deal or forgetful. Yeah. Avery Bradley signing with the Warriors. Last minute signing. Eh, I don't. Oh, it's a big deal really? now. Wiggins ain't oh. going to play. <laughs> they need this guy. True. True. <laughs> this was big for them. Get a veteran that can actually play shooting guard. Yeah. Yeah. Potentially, no, just you, a piece. Hey, you insert. could re- you could recreate a little um, a Boston Celtics it Avery Bradley magic. You just have Steph Curry instead of it. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's it's hey, it's better than having nobody than Jordan Poole. You know, <laughs> I, I'd rather have Avery Bradley than Jordan Poole. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Like your thirty, you replace your thirty million dollar small forward with you know some change you found in between the in between the cushions. <laughs> Avery Bradley still has value. Oh man. Come on. <laughs> He's still a decent player. This late. Uh anyways, Carice Levert stress <laughs> fracture in his back. They're calling <sighs> it minor stress fracture. I'm not sure what that word really qualifies as anything. Early stages. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but optimism is that he can still return in the first few weeks of the season. Man, what a what a kick to the shin for the Pacers and for to Carice Levert's career. <laughs> I won't say career, but just his path, just like his journey. He can't catch a break. Yeah. Like, is this guy ever going to catch a break? Like, we've seen how much potential this guy has every year. He could easily be, like, a 23-point-per-game average guy, just, like, an offensive juggernaut. Man. And he just he gets a cancer. He gets a stress fracture. He gets a season-ending injury. It just never ends for this man. It's just it's a cursed it's a cursed career so far. I hate to say it, but man, hopefully it's as minor as they're saying it is. But yeah, I just don't even know. I don't even know what to think. Stress fracture of anything makes me very concerned. Yep, especially this this late into the off season. I mean, at this point, yeah, we might. I, I, you miss training camp. You miss preseason. It's like you're gonna come into the season and everyone's already warmed up and going. You're already behind. Yeah, I don't even know what the first few weeks of the season really means in October. I can't see this man coming back in October. He's going to come back. No. I think it we're early December, I think, is going to be. Yeah, they're they're totally going to play it safe with mm-hmm. him, too. It's, yeah, they're not going to risk him getting re-injured, especially because they know he has such a huge injury history. Right. For the Bulls, Patrick Ugh. Williams severely injures his left ankle <sighs> in an optional workout out four to six weeks. Gosh, a blow for this <sighs> kid, for this young guy, too. So much promise. Yeah. It's painful when you hear that it's an optional workout mm-hmm. and like he didn't have to do it. But I've had enough injuries in my running career to know that just because it happened in the optional workout, that doesn't mean he wouldn't have gotten injured otherwise. Right. This means his, his his ankles were under severe load before this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the next workout he did, it probably would have happened anyway. Maybe not to the same severity, but I mean... You know, it sucks because you want these young guys to be doing these optional workouts and show that they're, like, working hard and refining their game. And, ah, uh, it's a big step back. I mean, Bulls have a lot of pro- – one of those teams, you know, like, you're talking about media day. Like, everything's – you know, nothing's happened yet. Your potential is through the roof. The Bulls are on the top of the list of through-the-roof potential. Right. And Patrick Williams was a big part of that. And so – that's going to be a rough start for them. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure he got himself into really good shape over the summer and – gonna lose yeah. a piece of that a little bit with this injury but that's i think that's just always so interesting to me when people say like if you limit a player's game minutes you'll save his legs and and less and lessen the risk of injury 
And there, yeah, there is some small truth to that, I think. But ultimately, these guys go pretty hard in practice too. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> clearly. So it, there's always that chance, also, like of getting injured there. Mm-hmm. Um, it just kind of sucks that it happens that way. But uh, hopefully, Patrick yeah. Williams can bounce back and fill the potential for the he's, Bulls. He's young. That that's what he's got going for him, right? He he can bounce back quick from an injury. Still, when you're when you're twenty twenty one years old, it, it's a lot easier than when you're in your late twenties. Right, for sure. So now jumping into the Atlantic Division uh, season previews. First up on the board is the, oh se- the controversial <laughs> 76ers, arguably the most controversial team in the last few weeks right now. Um, a lot to talk about with these guys. A lot to talk about in terms of Ben Simmons and what could potentially what we could potentially see from these guys. So and and to start it off, in additions we got Andre Drummond, Shaquille Harrison, Georgie's Niang. Paul Reed Jr. Um, the additions aren't really any extra punch. I mean, Andre Drummond is slightly interesting. It's another bigger body. But for the most part, this team is looking to bring back most of its core. And that's a big asterisk because in the departure section, I have Ben Simmons question mark. And there's a lot of storylines going around with Ben Simmons. He's reportedly done playing with Embiid and is open to a trade to any other team. And the story, the narrative for a long time throughout the offseason, it sounded like Ben Simmons was just not happy with the 76ers, not happy about the comments made, um, sort of not happy with the way things went that year. But now it really seems like the narrative has really switched to Ben Simmons just simply wanting his own team, an offense built around him, a uh, a situation where where things are built more around him and he's not so much the second fiddle and not so much a piece that has to fit into the 76ers system, but rather the the piece and everything else has to fit around him. So it's one of those breakup situations, it sounds like, where it's not, where, quote, unquote, it's not you, it's me. And, and this is coming from Ben Simmons. So it makes it really oh, difficult to really understand if if there, if this is all really just... Um, if if this if Ben Simmons is actually going to come back to the 76 is basically what I'm what I'm saying it's hard to predict i think because of yeah. this narrative makes it seem like Ben Simmons truly is just done with this situation it's just yeah i know a lot of this stems from like you know a lot of people could say that this started with that media question do you think Ben Simmons is a championship winning point guard right. doc rivers basically skirted the question but in a way basically said he wasn't (laughs) and then i mean i I don't know if you saw this first take clip from the other day he went on first take to basically try to you know clean up his mess a little bit right and and say you know we want ben simmons back we think ben simmons is an amazing player it, it that didn't seem to have any effect. Uh, you have you have other front office guys saying, "Oh, this is just like the Aaron Rodgers situation with with the Green Bay Packers." Right, Daryl Morey like, said oh, that. He, he, yeah. Right, yeah, Daryl Morey said that. He's like, you know, the, like we had disagreements, but he'll he'll come back and play at the end of the day. But from Ben Simmons' camp, you hear he's willing to forfeit his entire salary mm-hmm. for the whole year. That's thirty three million dollars. He would rather not play for this team again than make $33 million. That is insane. That's a, that is actually insane. Yep. There has never been a player that has been this this blunt about it. Or, I mean, this is all assuming well, these Anthony reports. Davis was pretty blunt about he, it. But, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I guess, like, willing to put, you know, 
their money where their mouth is type of situation like to really mm-hmm. sit out an entire year like of all that i mean he'll yeah. easily make it up and then i think for the rest i mean he'll make a ton of money for the rest of his career i'm sure he'll make a ton but yeah that's 33 million dollars you wouldn't get back but man it's just it's so tough because even james harden last year we knew he was gonna get traded he still played for the rockets mm-hmm. for like seven games so if i'm ben simmons why waste my t- money doing nothing just to prove a point when you saw james harden did something very similar last year he still got all his game checks he showed up like how is this worth it to you like i i just don't understand the difference in the situation it seems very similar to me so i if i'm him i just play i show people that i still can play for one and maybe that makes it easier for me to get traded too Mm -hmm. so it's man (laughs) <laughs> I've never seen such an openly reported disagreement between a player and a, and, a, and an organization. Yeah. Like I thought the James Harden one was pretty open, but this is just like, I feel like we're getting everything <laughs> like straight from the sources and it's, it's crazy. I, I don't know how this is just, if I was the 76 I'd be so upset. I'd want to keep all of this under wraps. I don't know how they're allowing this to become such a media like clown fiesta yeah and i mean i think this is all just strategically coming from ben simmons's camp you know to cause this chaos and just make things and push the 76ers to really just be forced to make a move um and i mean i gotta think you know media day yesterday the doc rivers and daryl morey had their joint press conference and they both emphasized that they wanted him back but I, I mm-hmm. and um, and Daryl Morey was pretty open about it that it, they were in Chicago just a couple of weeks after the series had ended, and that was when Ben Simmons camp came up to them saying they wanted to be traded, and they explored trades, but Daryl Morey wouldn't get into what those trades actually look like. So I got to think if this is still happening and clutch sports and Ben Simmons's camp is still putting pressure on the 76ers, Sixers, um, it's because they feel they should have already been a done deal way back in the summer. Hmm. And Darren Morey hasn't been able to do it, probably because none of the deals have been good for, in terms of what the 76ers are getting in return. And with something happening so public like yeah. this, it seems obvious that teams are going to lowball the 76ers. And so it's a tough situation. And in terms of X factor for this team, that's what I have. It's Ben Simmons not showing up. <laughs> And potentially what it is, whatever it is that they're going to get in return for him. I mean, this team was 13 in offensive rating, second in defensive rating last year. Ben Simmons was a defensive player of the year finalist. Uh, he was also he was also third in terms of usage rate. And a third of the team's assists came from Ben Simmons. And there really wasn't a close hmm. second. So in terms of offensive Firepower, yes, Joel Embiid was the first option, but in terms of making the offense flow, Ben Simmons was by and far a big part of that. So to have a piece like that sort of missing really, I think, is going to change the identity of this team's and and who exactly replaces him as the main ball handler on it's who is it, Shake Milton? Uh Shake Milton. (laughs) <laughs> I, yeah there were, I, I don't know i think that's all they got shaquille harrison, shaquille harrison. <laughs> new new acquisition shaquille harrison yeah i don't know maybe you try to revolve you start the offense with tobias harris as sort of a point forward type guy wow. um has never really been his thing though yeah it hasn't been his thing i mean seth curry you're not gonna get it from him um Maybe Thibault. I guess he's young enough to try to uh, teach him something. But Tyrese Maxey. Yeah, Tyrese Maxey. Maybe Tyrese Maxey. 
Yeah. He's more of a scorer. See, all the, all the guys they have outside of the Simmons are just scorers. Like, Shake Milton's a scoring point guard. Maxie's a scoring point guard. Thibault's just a defensive guy. Mm-hmm. Firkin Korkmaz is just a three-point shooter. <laughs> yeah. Seth Curry. <laughs> like, they don't have... Yeah, yeah Seth Curry's just a shooter. <laughs> they don't have playmakers. Mm-hmm. They don't. They don't. They don't have facilitators. Right. Ben Simmons is the facilitation. He is the core piece of the facilitation and playmaking for this team. So to just not have him there is huge loss for the 76ers. Big loss, obviously, to Simmons' career. So I think hopefully a move gets made and the 76ers get something good in return. So with all those unknowns, I think I have them trending slightly down just because. Yeah, I, I kind of forget this, but they had a fantastic regular season last year. Oh, yeah, they were great. Yeah, They won 68% <laughs> of the regular season wins, uh, got the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. I think with this whole Ben Simmons situation, I think the Bucks are still riding high. I think the Nets are still going to be the Nets. Um, I still can see them finishing third or fourth in the Eastern Conference, but I do have them trending slightly down. I got them down to 49 wins, just slightly below uh, 60% of their wins, which, uh, I mean, it's a, maybe a little optimistic considering the unknowns, but that's what I have for the 76ers. Yeah, and I think that's fine because, I mean, Embiid is still there. Right. You know, I still think and, it's a good and team. Ben, yeah, and Ben Simmons was out a lot of games last year, and Embiid stepped up and he just, he just owned the team, and they still got a lot of wins. And they, I mean, Harris is still there. Curry and Green are great players. Like this is still a very good team, and it should be a very good regular season team. So, yeah, I, I don't disagree with that at all. Uh, one more point I'd I'd want to make here is going back to the James Harden comparison. I mean, this is Daryl Morey's problem all over again, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he he was part of the reason that Harden wanted to leave, and so now you have two different superstars that you've had to manage, and they're both are disgruntled with the organization that you're the general manager of and so it's it's really important for daryl Morey to not mess this up right now yeah because he could start getting a reputation as like a organization killer honestly because mm-hmm. you, you see houston go from a perennial contender every year to just you know once your star gets fed up with it you become the worst team in the league right and so now you have to prevent now you have to prevent the 76ers from going down the same path i mean that's yeah that if, if he can't navigate this well and we could see Del Moore getting ousted here, definitely. Yeah, Elson Brand taking back control, control yeah, of the steering Elton wheel. <laughs> that dude is so trigger happy, man. He just give a max contract to anybody. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's all I got for the for the seventy sixers, Sean. You got the Nets next, I think. Yeah, yeah, the Nets, and I mean, <laughs> as far as the rest of the team outside Kyrie Irving goes, <laughs> it it's all pretty tame. And they had a pretty good offseason, I would say. Um, the additions, Patty Mills, James Johnson, LaMarcus Aldridge, Paul Millsap. Man, they had a lot of additions. Yes. DeAndre Bembry, Sekou Dumboya, Javon Carter, and Devontae Kaycock, <laughs> who I'm pretty sure only Laker fans will know who Devontae Kaycock is. Yes. Some random G League guy that would occasionally come in and play during the regular season for the Lakers. Um, I don't know if that's a little, um, oh, you took DeAndre Jordan from us. Well, we're going to take Kaycock <laughs> from you guys, and he's going to tell us all your dirty little secrets. So um, that should be fun. And then as far as departures, uh, they let go of Jeff Green, Mike James, Tyler Johnson, DeAndre Jordan, Spencer Dinwiddie, Landry Shamit, Chris Chioza, 
Elias Johnson and, and Timothy Lualu Cabarro. Wow. So pretty much out, outside of your, your top four guys, talking KD, Harden, Irving, Joe Harris, the entire team is different around them, which is very interesting because the only guys they re-signed were Bruce Brown and Blake Griffin. Mm-hmm. And I guess you could Sick. count LaMarcus Aldridge, mm-hmm. too. Um, you know, weird situation there. Hopefully he's back and healthy and actually is able to play. Um, and I, I honestly, I mean, you have to decide between Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge, but if you're going purely off of talent at this stage, I think LaMarcus Aldridge is going to end up being the starting center alongside these these top four guys. And Blake Griffin's going to be coming off the bench. But I, I would say overall, I mean, outside, I think... Losing Jeff Green was definitely one of the hardest. Jeff Green actually played really well for mm-hmm. this team last year, especially when one of the big three got hurt. Um, so that's going to be a tough one to replace. But overall, I mean, Patty Mills is a great shooter. James Johnson's a decent guy to just have off your bench. Paul Millsap, savvy veteran. I think they got some really good pieces here. So, I mean, with, I know, <laughs> no real money to work with because you're paying all these guys so much money at the top. I think they did a pretty good job, and this will easily be a title-contending team. But the X factor here, I mean, it's the health of the big three, but more importantly, it's Kyrie Irving. Yep. Because, man, this vaccination ordeal with Kyrie is going to be a problem if he does not get vaccinated very soon. Man, there's so many questions I want to ask you about Craig. Will he get vaccinated? Will he be forced to sit out all the home games? Like we just talked about with Andrew Wiggins, all the home games, both the games against the Knicks, any games against the LA teams Mm -hmm. or the Golden State Warriors, that could easily be 50 games already. He's going to miss for Ramadan Mm -hmm. and, you know, he's going to go to a birthday party occasionally. (laughs) So we're looking at Kyrie Irving playing potentially like 20 games next year, which at this point, it's, I would be red alert if I'm the Nets right now. I need to get this guy vaccinated. Mm-hmm. And if I can't get him vaccinated, if I can't reason with him, do I try to trade him? And I have to ask myself, who even wants Kyrie Irving? Yep. Because we've seen the animosity this guy's created ever since leaving LeBron James's shadow. I mean, we thought he would have good success with Boston, he ended up they ended up playing better without him than with him. You know, it's one of those weird situations where you're like, you know what, the Celtics actually have a better record without him. And you're like, oh, it's just the statistics. You know, like how can you say that they're not as good they're not as good without such an amazing player? Well, they were. And then you look at the Nets and you're just like, okay, well, they should have won the title last yeah. year. But oh man, I mean, you can blame some injury, sure. And they almost beat the champ just- without Kyrie. Right, almost without Kyrie, just with basically KD and half of James Harden. <laughs> so I'm looking at Kyrie, I'm like, is this guy really worth the trouble? And I think a lot of organizations around the league agree that he's not. And so I'm not even sure you could get anything for Kyrie at this point. And if I'm Kyrie, am I re-signing with the Nets in the offseason? Because he has a player option right. after this year. They already have Harden and KD on max deals. I'm fine to let Kyrie walk if I'm the Nets. If he wants to take that player option, sure, but I'm not offering him anything outside of that. There's just so many questions around this guy. And 
the only thing that can save it is if Durant's able to convince Kyrie to get the vaccine. And I'm pretty sure at this point, a lot of league sources think that Durant's the only guy that can convince Kyrie to get the vaccine at this point. Because the local ordinances aren't going to change for Kyrie Irving. Mm -hmm. The city's not going to remove its mandates for the vaccine for public indoor events just for Kyrie Irving. (laughs) You know, they want to win a title. Sure. I'm sure the mayor of, of New York would love for the Knicks or the Nets to win the title, but they're not going to change things to like <laughs> to go against the safety of all the citizens. And so there's just so many question marks. But if he does get the vaccine, I'll have them trending as like pretty even from last year. I'll give them 55 wins because I mean there's he's still going to miss games let's be real. Yeah. And this this is Kyrie Irving. He doesn't do things conventionally. He never does anything you want him to do. Uh, and if he doesn't and this team could I mean they'll still have KD and Harden. So they'll still have a very good regular season record. But it'll be more like 50 wins probably. Yeah. Yeah, I mean this team with all three of them by default has to be the favorite to win the championship almost beating the champs with oh, yeah. Ke- Kevin Durant and half of James Harden. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I agree. Kyrie Irving seems to be the most expendable piece here. And man, the Nets really kind of did themselves such a huge favor with this James Harden trade. Now, if you think about it, mm-hmm. be- oh, yeah. because before it was like, do you trade that for one and for another star piece? Like, do you really need the three star pieces? Well, it's like, I guess maybe, maybe not. But sometimes you do in terms for like an insurance policy, I think, from an insurance policy perspective. If one of your <laughs> your star players is like consistently up and down or injured and the Nets took a risk there. They traded their depth to get another star. And now James Harden is, seems to be that insurance policy for Kyrie Irving right now. Because I think if Kyrie's not yeah. there, he is or he's kind of just almost there. I think even with Harden and Durant at full strength, this is a really good team. So they're still a favorite with the, they're still a favorite, I think to win. And with, and with Irving there, then they are, um, just unstoppable, unstoppable, essentially. And it's like, how many, and how can the Lakers manage to win six game, you know, six games against them in the, in, in the finals or, Mm -hmm. or whoever meets them there. Um, right. Yeah. This whole Kyrie Irving thing is, is interesting and it's funny because also during media day Kevin Durant was pretty calm about the fact that Kyrie wasn't there and that Kyrie wasn't vaccinated he was asked about it and he was pretty nonchalant about it giving the he's always nonchalant though he's always calm (laughs) yeah just giving the basic answer saying that it was up to him and I mean it is his personal choice right like Durant's not going to make that choice for him but still uh to be so casual about it and not be very uh, media thinking about it is was interesting i think but so we'll see what mr Kyrie irving does man yeah it's just it's so sketchy i, mean, I know we have 20 days for him to get it but yeah i just i have no idea man this guy is so unpredictable he might just end up retiring <laughs> to be honest like i i could totally see that happening and then but yeah, like you said, I think with James Harden and Kevin Durant, this team could still win a title. Yeah. Like we saw it almost happen last year. If James Harden hadn't hurt his hamstring, maybe we're, we're in a different scenario where it doesn't really matter if the Nets win the title this year or not. Maybe they're, or maybe they're looking at, at a, a back-to-back right now. But yeah, it's 
there's a lot up in the air right now. Um, yeah. But, you know, it, it, they're still going to be a very good team. And, yeah, they're going to be very interesting to watch, too. Right. Uh, moving on from the Nets, not quite as controversial, the New York Knicks. Um, very, uh, very Cinderella-like team last year. I mean, we knew they were decent, but we didn't quite think they would go all the way to finish as the fourth seed, be one of the top defensive teams in, in the league, have Julius Randle sort of take huge strides in his game and make all NBA. RJ Barrett also closed it in pretty well. Derek Rose kind of having a resurgence. Nolan's Noel playing well enough to get a pretty decent payday for relative to what he's gotten before this offseason. <laughs> so New York Knicks looking to build on top of that um, Cinderella-like season that they had last year. So the additions, Evan Fournier, Kemba Walker, Dwayne Bacon, departures. Oh, your favorite. Yep. <laughs> departures, Frank Nilakina, and and your favorite, Sean, Alfred Payton. Oh, I hate Alfred Payton, man. <laughs> this is this is a this is a very interesting end to a to a chapter in Knicks basketball. Frank Nilakina <laughs> was sort of that guy that was consistently oh, coming up every year in terms of like, is this gonna be a, a good year for him? Are we finally gonna get to see some form of NBA talent here. And Alfred Payton has just, for whatever reason, been a long-time Nick here for the last couple of years. Um, but both those guys are gone, and and the Knicks mm-hmm. went all out on, re- on re-signing their core. Julius Randle getting a payday. Alex Burks coming back. Taj Gibson coming back. Nolan's Noel and Derek Rose as well. Um, the projected starting lineup, of course, is Kemba Walker at the guard. Uh, potentially R.J. Barrett there. Alec Burks. Uh, Randall and I'm gonna guess it's gonna be it'll probably be between Tosh or Mitchell Robinson coming Mitchell back, Robinson, yeah. having a healthier year hopefully at Manning the center spot. But in terms yeah, of or Nerlens if he's not, yeah, or Noel, sure. yeah. But in terms of X factor, it's got to be the addition of Kemba Walker. Kemba Walker's offense mm-hmm. more than anything. The Knicks were sort of the classic Tom Thibodeau team where you just play as hard <laughs> as you can for as long as you can. Our um, yeah. Julius Randle was number one in minutes per game and total minutes in the regular season Jeez. last year. And RJ Barrett was second right behind <laughs> him. Wow. And I mean, it paid off. The, this team was dead last in pace, uh, 23rd in offensive rating, but they were number one in terms of allowed field goal percentage against them they were the number three in terms of defensive rating so we are looking at a team that is so night and day here and it showed in the playoff series against the hawks the defense was there they tried to slow down the pace but the firepower of the hawks was just too much and the knicks just had a real real hard time scoring the ball and digging themselves out of any lead that that basically got to six points um so kemba walker (laughs) to the rescue here hopefully for them uh kemba walker hopefully Come coming back and having a resurgence himself and getting back to being that that quick guard who can who can distribute the ball, average twenty points a game, and really just be a knockdown scorer for this team. Evan Fournier also a smaller piece of that um, because in terms of offensive firepower, this team has a long ways to go. So all things considered, I think a slight improvement from R.J. Barrett and even Julius Randle playing as he had played last year and Kemba Walker. It sort of sucks because I think where the Knicks are, all the other teams are just as good or if not getting slightly better too. So I think the Hawks mm-hmm. will be better. 
I think the Nets aren't going anywhere. Bucks aren't going anywhere. 76ers, even without Ben Simmons, I think will still be there. So even though I think they're getting better record-wise, I still think they fall into that same um, just slightly like 57%, 58% win percentage. So I have them slightly up at 47 wins uh, for next year. Mm. But I do think they'll be a significantly better better team. So yeah, the storyline for me to follow is, you know, ultimately was this team's regular season success last year a <laughs> fluke? You know, I, I named a couple of teams here who were out of the running uh, in terms of like the, that fourth and fifth seed that I thought could have been there last year. The Celtics, COVID stuff happened. The Heat, COVID mm. stuff happened. The Pacers, <laughs> COVID stuff and injuries happened. And and cancer. And cancer. <laughs> so these were teams that were just not there at all to challenge the Knicks or challenge the Hawks. Um, but I think they'll be there. I think they'll they'll have a bounce back season. So I think the the race for those for that for that home court advantage in the fourth seed or the fifth seed will be way more competitive. So can the Knicks hang on there? Um, we'll see. Yeah, it, yeah. Like you said, it's going to be tough. A lot of these teams are going to come back with a vengeance. I feel like, I mean, we'll talk about the Celtics in a sec. I feel like the Knicks are better than the Celtics as currently mm-hmm. constructed, so they don't have to worry about them. The Pacers, we'll see if Levert can play. Right. And TJ Warren, TJ Warren is he's still out for who knows how long. Yep. And but the Heat, the Heat will definitely be a big player, so they they could definitely pass the Knicks. But yeah, I think I agree with you. I, I think that they still position themselves in a way to improve off last year. I think. The additions that they made, like you mentioned, they it does help bolster the weaknesses in their game, which was the offensive side, mm-hmm. um, and hopefully not at the expense of too much defense. Right. Kemba's not ever really been the best defender, but hopefully, I mean, they have Derrick Rose to help back him up. They have Quickly to help back him up, so he won't have to play, you know, the um, ridiculous amount of minutes that Julius Randle and Barrett played. Do you think that Randall and Barrett are going to end up playing this many minutes again? I just I don't know how much more how many how much more seasons they could do that for. I think I think I just and that's the actually the second half of my storyline to follow point that I forgot to mention here was that that Randall had <laughs> such a historic year and so much of that was the fact that his ball he just didn't break down last year. His durability yeah. was insane considering amazing yeah, yeah. <laughs> considering he was number one by far in minutes played and minutes per game could he do that again i don't know i honestly i'm not sure it seems like it shouldn't be sustainable but he had such a killer last year and he did not show signs of of wear and tear so we'll see and can yeah. rj barrett hang on to again i think so maybe yeah <laughs> maybe and uh, maybe that's it's not connected at all but we did see randall really struggle in that mm-hmm. playoff series against True. the Hawks. And maybe that's just nerves of being in the playoffs. Maybe maybe it's because of fatigue, though. Right. I mean, this guy was playing so many minutes. like, And that's going to be hard to do. Now it's not a 72-game regular season. It's an 82-game regular season. So right. that, that 10 extra games is nothing to scoff at. I can't imagine him having to average as many minutes as he did last year. I just don't think that's sustainable. Hopefully Thibodeau sees that too. And for the same thing with RJ Barrett. I mean, you have the depth now, right? Like you can yeah. play Evan Fournier a lot more minutes. You can play Alec Burks a lot more minutes. You can 
I'll give give Obi Toppin a little little playing time, yeah. you know. And Julius Randle got get a breather every <laughs> once in a while. You got Taj Gibson. You stop, yeah. Why'd you resign Taj Gibson if you're not going to give him a few minutes? Yep. And give Randle a little bit of rest. I mean, it might it, it might help uh, with his overall health. It might bring his numbers down a little bit. But at the end of the day, it's like you're pretty committed to this dude, and you want to make sure that he spends the rest of his days in New York healthy and playing well. Yep. Exactly. Agree. 47 wins for the Knicks, but moving on, Sean, you got the Celtics here. Yeah, this this might be a hotly contested one between <laughs> the two of us. Uh, I'm, I'm interested to see. I, I didn't go too crazy with my predictions here. I, I think you might end up agreeing with them. Maybe you think they're a little too optimistic because you are very negative on the Celtics, <laughs> I know. But I, I'm interested to see your thoughts as we go through this. So in the Celtics, I mean, with their, with their new front front office manager here brad stevens uh he he definitely made quite a bit of moves yep. with not a lot to work with on this roster so uh, they were starting with the additions and you could call this a re-addition they bring back al horford after not wanting to sign him to a big contract three was that three years ago now right now they they bring him back on what was is basically the same deal that he he got with the philadelphia 76ers that the Celtics weren't willing to pay him in the beginning, so a little irony there. Mm-hmm. And then you also bring in a troubled Josh Richardson yes. trying to revitalize his career. Ennis Cantor comes back for a second stint with Boston, and you also get a few guys in Wancho Hernan Gomez and Ryan Arcidiacono. And then, of course, Dennis Schroeder. There he is. On that, on that juicy mid-level exception, basically. $8 million deal. Uh, and then you also have your new head coach, Ime Udoka, from the Brooklyn Nets assistant staff. Uh, departures, you got Evan Fournier, Taco Fall, unfortunately, RIP Taco, Carson Edwards, Semi Ojale, Tristan Thompson, and Kemba Walker, who, who they had dealt in that trade to the Thunder, who bought him out and sent him to the Knicks. And surprisingly, they drafted nobody. <laughs> Which we're used to the Celtics having a ton of draft capital, but they they didn't have a single pick this year, so that's pretty crazy. And then they also re-signed Marcus Smart to that four-year, seventy-seven million dollar deal, and then Robert Williams, the third promising young center for them. Robert Williams is such an interesting deal that they actually brought him on. It seemed like he was so yeah. on and off, like he never really did anything super flashy, but. The the Celtics love this guy, and they brought and they and they they signed. They gave him that multi year contract, and part of me yeah. al- almost feels like it was done be- just because of so many years of promising young guys they could have gotten. <laughs> I mean, and they do have them, Jalen Brown and uh, Tatum and yeah, Tatum Smart. Yeah. So feels like you felt like you probably felt like you should have kept one more from the from that core of many picks that you made. Yeah. I don't know, I think Robert Williams the third he could be a very good piece for this team because I mean they they tried rolling with Tristan Thompson yeah. they tried rolling with Daniel Tice like bring in this guy who's a young talent you drafted him in the late first round a few years ago he had his problems getting to practice on time but now it seems like he's corrected that mistake a little bit the dude blocks shots at a rate that I think only Mitchell Robinson <laughs> can match right now which is saying a lot because yeah, that blocks are hard to come by these days. I mean, defense, you know, it's taking a backseat to offense in the league we live in now. But this dude is an amazing defender. 
Uh, he's a big presence down there, so he could end up being something for them, but he's still young, mm-hmm. still unproven. So he could turn into something, though. And so as far as the projected starting lineup, it's tricky yeah, because you don't really have a true shooting guard. Maybe you could say Josh Richardson is a true shooting guard, but I don't think they're ready to trust him to be that guy for them. So I think what they're going to do is they're going to roll out a little smaller lineup with Dennis Schroeder and Marcus Smart as your two guards. And then Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum at the three, four with Robert Williams uh, as the starting center. And I think that gives them the most offensive versatility, but on defense, obviously you are going to struggle because Schroeder and smart are pretty short. Mm -hmm. Um, Smart's a great defender. Schroeder is not. And so you're going to have to find a way to get around that. And I, we know Brad Stevens is able to do that with Isaiah Thomas. Um, maybe Amy Odoka can do the same thing with Dennis Schroeder. But if he's not working out, we might see Peyton Pritchard get inserted here instead of Dennis Schroeder. I don't think they feel like they owe Dennis Schroeder anything. I don't feel like they have some hidden agenda to help him get that max money that he's looking for. So he's just going to have to earn it on his own. And if it's not working out, I think they'll bench him pretty quickly. It's it's going to be a pretty um, a pretty quick reaction, prove it type of situation for Dennis Schroeder. So it'll be interesting to see how he handles it. Um, and I think that's the X factor for this team is the point guard position. I mean, Kemba Walker, you let him walk. You, you trade him away because you think it's not working. So you have to have a lot of faith in Marcus Smart, Peyton Pritchard, Dennis Schroeder. Between these three guys, someone's going to have to be the primary ball handler. Uh, This is a team that was 27th in assists last year. So one of these guys is going to have to step up, and none of them have really been known for being historically a huge assist guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum aren't going to be that either. So who's going to step up and be that guy? I mean, a similar situation to the 76ers, right, where it's like if Ben Simmons isn't there, who's the facilitator? The Celtics need a facilitator too. Yeah, I mean, the whole Celtics situation is just so interesting. Their whole, all these pieces they have, Schroeder, Smart, uh, Jalen Brown. I mean, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, you know what you're getting. But all these other yeah. random little guards that they have, <laughs> I just am not a huge believer in in, the, in their lineup. And this team just seems like such a black box in terms of what you could actually get out of them and it just they, they always seem like they're just a couple injuries away from potentially falling out of 500 to me. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm not super optimistic on this team, even though on paper and uh, I think out there aggregated, it seems like this is this is a team that should be winning over 42, 42 game, 42 games um, yeah. and be in the playoffs. But I really see this team falling out of falling into oh, the play in tournament. <laughs> and if things really go, the tables really turn, and a couple guys get injured here. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they if they go outside of the play in tournament. And wow, and Brett, like not even the tenth seed. Yeah, not even the tenth seed. Eastern Conference. It'll be tough, and I, maybe that's very unlikely to happen. But also at the same time, it seems so hard for this team to actually get better without moving any of these pieces. <laughs> I mean, the day of high draft picks and assets is long gone now, and it's back to collecting assets to potentially make moves. So, uh, and Marcus Smart and Robert Williams may be tradable pieces, but outside of those two guys, this team needs to collect 
draft picks, high draft picks to try to make, because or else I just don't see them making a jump into the second tier or first tier of Eastern Conference teams for a number of years. Yeah, a lot of these transactions that they made are very questionable because it doesn't allow you to get a third star mm-hmm. to pair with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Right. And we're seeing like the, the star trios are what's winning you titles right now. I mean, it used to be two stars back when it was just LeBron and AD. I mean, you could argue it, it's kind of flip-flopped a few different ways. Like, the first two stars seemed enough. Now it seems like three stars is, like, <laughs> what you need to contend against the Lakers, the Nets. I mean, you see the Nuggets are going that route now, trying to get three stars on Max Deal. I mean, the Bucks just won with three stars. And you're stuck with Brown and Tatum, and you just gave Marcus Smart a lot of money. Like, yeah. enough money to the point where it's going to be very difficult for you to get a max player without moving him, without moving Robert Williams. And so it's it's going to be really hard for this team to improve, like you said, unless Jason Tatum can just make that, you know, next leap to be a top five player in the league. Because we've been waiting for this guy to do this for the last two years now. Yep. It just doesn't seem like he's getting there. Like, he doesn't seem like he's improving his game at all. Like, his numbers do not really show him making this next step and it it's really hard for me to see it at this point it's really hard for me to see him breaking into that top five being that type of guy that you know a lot of people thought he could be like the face of the league one day mm-hmm. it, it's very difficult for me to see at this point and especially on this team that he doesn't really have a lot of support on i mean he has to see that and know that if i don't step up we are gonna be in the play in like best case scenario yeah, and like you said, like, and if I get hurt, like, or like, if Jalen Brown gets hurt, like, am I going to be able to carry this team enough to keep us afloat, or are we going to sink below the plan? Even I don't think that's very likely. But I mean, as far as where their trajectory looks for the season, I I have them at just forty one wins. Yeah, because I I feel like with the additions they made, they only got worse. You know, like you have to like. It's just so sad that they just let Evan Fournier walk. They used their trade <laughs> exception that they desperately clung to for that Gordon Hayward deal just to get Evan Fournier for like 20 games. And you also gave up like a couple second round draft picks in the deal. Yeah. And just to get a couple games of Evan Fournier, you give up Kemba Walker for Al Horford. And you, you just let some of these other guys walk, like Carson Edwards, Semi Oljale, who'd been like, you know, bench squad for you for a little bit. You don't really replace them with anything meaningful. Josh Richardson's just hasn't been the same player he was on Miami. And Ennis Cantor only plays well in Portland. Yeah. So he'll be good for like a game or two. So, yeah, I don't know. This just doesn't seem like it's trending very well for them. Yeah, it's a tough, tough tough when you think about it just a couple of years ago it looked like they had a chance at anthony davis uh james Harden potentially and then even last tread yeah. deadline nikola vucevic or aaron gordon um and now they don't really get they, they have they don't have much to show for all those assets they collected other than just marcus smart marcus smart deal and jalen brown and tatum which are fine pieces but from here moving forward it just seems like they're going to be in a tough spot to get this game make this team better Unless Robert Williams hits it big and a star out there demands to be traded to Boston, uh, it, it'll be a bit mm. rough. But Jason Tatum at 23 years old, I think he still has a shot 
climbing the ladder. He's just got to yeah. hope that some of these older guys start retiring soon and slowing down. And LeBron <laughs> Curry right. and uh, who else we got up there? Um, yeah. yeah, Giannis, Giannis, KD. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but yeah. To to be fair to Tatum, like his numbers have gotten better over the last two years. But I don't know. He's just not a dominating force in my mind. You know, like he's a very good player, but he's not a dominating force. And maybe, maybe he just, uh, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know what it is about Jason Tatum. It's just that it factor, I guess, you know, that superstar factor. Yeah. I just don't see it with him. Maybe it's personality thing. Maybe it's a leadership thing. I think, I think he had a I rough year too it, last year. Just wasn't consistently there all the time. With the COVID, yeah. Yeah, I mean, COVID definitely played a factor, too. I mean, he said he just recently came off as inhaler mm-hmm. that he was using because his lungs were so damaged. So maybe that's going to be a big change for him. Maybe, maybe now he'll finally be able to, like, reach his potential or at least get closer to it. So, yeah, I mean, I I want to see that, that jump for Tatum this year. I think this is the year for him. Yeah, we'll see where it goes. Uh, moving from the Celtics, last but not least, the Raptors. I mean, we got them here at the bottom. Usually the teams that we think may be the worst of the division, we got them at the bottom. This is probably the best bottom out of any division. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. The Raptors may be last, and we may be thinking they may be the least out of this whole division, but I don't think they're going to be that bad of a team. Um, considering the last the last year and a half that they've had in the black box, kind of like this kind of like the 76ers a little bit and not knowing really what this team is just because they had, a, they, they didn't play very well in the bubble. And then all of last year, they had a play out of Tampa. None of these players actually got to go home. Mm-hmm. They were still in a bubble situation in of their own. They had the Kyrie Lowry trade stuff happening. They lost a couple core pieces, any Baca and Gasol over that. Offseason, Siakam looked bad. Everybody looked bad except for OJ and Obi. Yeah. And Norman Powell played himself <laughs> into a big payday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but outside of those guys, all the pieces just didn't really look very fluid, very good. So now that they're back in Toronto, that's an X factor here for them, a potential change that could drastically change their outlook. But in terms of the moves they made, additions, they got Goran Dragic as part of that trade. Precious Achiwa, Zvi Mikhailu, Sam Decker... Uh, they lost Kyrie Lowry, Rodney Hood. The Aaron Baines experiment didn't work out. Rodney Hood just never really was a big piece. Kyle Lowry, you know, things needed to be moved from there. No big draft picks, but they did bring... Well, they had a big draft pick, my dude. They were number four overall. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, who was it again? Yeah, Scotty Williams. Scotty Williams. <laughs> or Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes. Scott Williams is our friend. <laughs> <laughs> Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes drafted by the Raptors. In terms of re-signings, they got Cam Bursch and Gary Trent Jr. They brought this man back. Uh, projected starting lineup, Goran Dragic, Fred Van Fleet, OG Anobi, Siakam, and Cam Birch. I mean, this seems like a pretty solid lineup to me. I mean, Dragic had a big year of injuries last year. So if he can be healthy, I think he's still a decent point guard. Fred Van Fleet is just a man of consistency, and OG Anobi just has been taking step step after step forward in terms of his career and his production. Siakam, you know, is who I ultimately have as the X factor is is the resurgence of Siakam and whether or not this guy can play and really live up to the number one option 
uh, label that he's sort of been ha- he's sort of been given ever since Kawhi left. And I think the really good way to look at him is pre-COVID slash bubble um, versus what he did uh, in during that 2018 run. So before going into that, before the COVID pandemic in the bubble, this man was shooting 37% from three, 55% from the field, 17 points a game, seven and three with one turnover per game. Uh, last year, 29% from three, 44% Oof. from the field, three turnovers per game. He was still doing the seven and seven rebounds and three assists, but he was just having a rough, rough time scoring the ball at an efficient clip and therefore just not really being that piece that would really open things up for the rest of the Raptors. When he can't knock down that shot, even though he's attempting them at a high clip, it was just bad news for the Toronto Raptors in their offense. So the hope is that Siakam comes back to Toronto, gets his legs back under him, feels more at home and hopefully puts together a season closer to what he did in 20, 2018. So in terms of, of terms of how they they're trending, it's hard to tell. There's a lot, I think for me, the other X factor for this team also was their health last year in terms of COVID situation. Yeah. OG Omi played 43, Lowry 46, Fred Van Fleet 52 games, Yakum 56. So all in all, a lot of these, a lot of their core lineup ended up losing over 20 games just in the NBA season because of COVID protocols. So, Everything coming up, I think a safe projection is that they're going to have to be trending up from the situation they had last year. And I got them landing at 41 wins right there, potentially with the Celtics in terms of the eighth or ninth seed uh, as a team. And overall storyline to follow is OG the real deal. Can this guy continue to improve? 23 years old, 16 points a game, 40% shooting from three last year. Not too bad. Not too bad. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a big fan of OG, and I think a lot of people have expected him to make larger jumps mm-hmm. in each of his years, but he's he's made some incremental improvements, so it'll be interesting to see where he fits in with this team as currently constructed, because you obviously have Fred Van Fleet step up and be like basically the number one option on this team. Yep. You're going to have Siakam come back and maybe try to reclaim that number one option. I guess that's a very interesting dilemma mm-hmm. right now because Siakam was kind of granted that number one option after Kawhi left. But Fred Van Vliet's really been the guy that's taken over. And even last year when Kyle Lowry, you know, you could say Kyle Lowry is the best player on this team. Fred Van Vliet was the most productive player on this team. Yep. So now who is this a option 1A, 1B situation? Who who deserves to be the number one option for this team, or does it? Do we need to have that discussion? Yeah, and I think it. It I think a lot of it is going to vary. I think by, I think it was difficult to answer that question, especially because they were missing so many games. It was so tough night in yeah. and night out to figure out where the ball should play and what type of what the offense should should look like. And there was a lot of questions around too around Aaron Baines and. I mean, it seemed like they were trying him out, then they gave up on him, and they were rolling with that small ball lineup. Chris Boucher had a had a had a big coming up to the surface as well. He had a huge yeah. couple games. It seemed like for a while there, like he was the guy to roll with. Then he kind of went right. back into his tur- turtle shell. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he does that. Yeah, so I think that's why the, that's why I describe this team as sort of a black box. So like, I'm not really sure what it's going to look like, but I think at their best. They should be, it should be with Siakam as that sort of number one option 
uh, really everything starting with him, Fred Van Fleet following suit, and then OG and OB being that third offensive weapon and just being a knockdown sort of Swiss army knife that can also just knock down the three. Yeah. And I, I really wonder where Scotty Barnes is going to fit mm-hmm. into this whole lineup because, I mean, you draft the guy number four ahead of Jalen Suggs, yep. who you could add Jalen Suggs in here instead of Goran Dragic, which I think would have been intriguing. But you, you have enough faith in, in Van Fleet and, and Dragic there, the point guard positions. And so uh, is Scotty Barnes going to get into this starting lineup at some point? Like, do you move Siakam to the five and put Barnes at the four? I'm really not sure how they want to use him yet. And I know that they have a lot of faith in this kid and they're going to want to give him the minutes and the opportunity to become a very good player. From his college numbers, I'm not that impressed, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. I mean, he wasn't a good three-point shooter. He wasn't really a good offensive player. He had good defensive stats, but um, yeah, I mean, that's hard to translate to the NBA when it's all about offense, right? So it, it'll be very interesting to see how they work this kid in. It, I guess, if anything, he's just a decent bench piece to have if he doesn't end up working out the way you want him to. But yeah, I think, I think Siakam is in line for a resurgence. I I fully believe that he'll do that. I think he actually might be a little injured right now. I'm not sure if he's going to be there for the start of the season. Yeah. He still has the right shoulder surgery that he had during the off season. So there are questions of whether he'll be back to start the year, but yeah, I mean, that was such an interesting pick. (laughs) I'm not entirely sure (laughs) that was always the best pick for them to have made. But I think again, at their best Barnes aside, it's Siakam, Fred Van Fleet and then OJ Anobi do continuing mm-hmm. to do his thing. So uh, I think this team this team will be a bit surprising. It will be surprisingly yeah. better than last year. Yeah, it's just I mean they're not like super deep, right? Yeah. I mean you, you have Gary Trent, you have Scotty Barnes coming off the bench, and I mean I don't I don't think any of those other additions are really going to do anything for them. Well, so, you, you still have Chris, you, know, you still have Chris Boucher. Yeah, you have Chris Boucher. Boucher. Yeah, that's true. He's he's decent. Um, I don't know. It's a decent team, right? Like you're not turning any heads with with any of Van Fleet or Siakam as your number one option, right? Mm-hmm. I, so to me, it's like they're probably a little worse than the Indiana Pacers. If I had to like rank, like do some power rankings, yeah. across the NBA, right? So yeah, I think 41 wins might even be a little optimistic. Um, but oh, playing back in Toronto could be a bigger boost than we really think it is i don't want to discount that because they didn't they literally didn't play any home games last year yeah so that could be a huge thing so i I think 41 is pretty fair yeah we'll see where it lands i think this division like we started off to me seems like such a black box of teams yeah could be completely wrong a lot of question marks it's gonna this this is gonna be a very fun division to to watch for sure Mm -hmm. i think that with it with the knicks with the knicks is the least dramatic team honestly (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean they're just always just a consistent wheelhouse of trouble you know they're always like either just consistently (laughs) bad but this time they're actually like consistently decent consistently good they have the yeah they have the most positive outlook out of anyone they have the least question marks going into the next season it's you know it's it's refreshing yeah if nothing else i think so it's interesting um final thoughts to close off the podcast the cost of being unvaccinated uh straight out of a bobby <laughs> bobby marks espn article the question of what is it going to actually cost 
to sort of be set it's digging to dig your feet into the sand and be like i'm not getting vaccinated it's going to cost kyrie irving 8.9 million dollars to miss those 41 uh home games that's 8.9 out of the 34.9 that he's due to make this year uh wiggins you know, you might be surprised by this. You might not. But he's actually looking to lose the ex- <laughs> almost the exact same amount of money as Irving just because he's also <sighs> getting paid $31.5 million this year. So oh roughly <laughs> 7 or lower $8 million um, he's going to lose. And that's just considering the 41 games. This isn't counting the potential games that will be played in L.A. Um, or in the Knicks New or New York. So... And any other city that might come down with a similar mandate. So, good luck to Irving and good luck to Wiggins. <laughs> I hope your lifestyle yeah, can fit this fit this loss. Yeah, seriously. As silly as this is, I'm not sure if it's more silly for them to sit out half their games for being unvaccinated or Ben Simmons to lose his entire paycheck <laughs> just because he's angry. Yeah. <laughs> the Ben's- I don't know which is sillier. Ben Simmons might ha- might get the trophy for the ultimate sulking we've ever seen in the history <laughs> of humanity. Unreal, man. $33 million. That makes $8.9 million look like nothing. Yeah, that's a lot. Well, anyways, thanks everybody for tuning in. And we've got one more division to preview, right, Sean? The Pacific. The best division. The best division. Always do the Pacific division last because it's the best. Yep. There is always a contender there. It's... Close to home to us, the West Coast Pacific Division coming at you. Lakers, Clippers, Warriors, and the Kings, I guess. <laughs> and the Suns. And the Suns. Come on, the oh, Suns, the Suns. Man. Yeah, I forget about the Suns. Yeah, they're, they're actually a yeah. player this this time. Uh, we'll get them. We'll get them this year. Yeah. Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Yeah, have a good week, everybody. Peace.